0: you know what, it doesn't matter what I want to achieve. If I commit myself and I work really hard, I can achieve anything.
1: Julia McDonald represented Australia twice at the Commonwealth Games and twice at the Olympics. She held the Commonwealth record for the 800 metre freestyle for 21 years. I spoke to her about life after the Olympics and Commonwealth Games. And we also discussed her incredible volunteer work, charity work and motivational speaking work for many causes including Melanoma Patients Australia and also for victims of domestic violence. This is Julie McDonald. So the main topic I wanted to talk to you about was your charity work. I did some research and I looked at all the amazing work you've done and oh my goodness, <laughs> there is a list of charity work that you have done. How do you, how do you keep up with it all?
0: Well, I tend to choose maybe one or two a year to commit myself to. So at the moment, I'm committing myself to domestic violence and but over the years yeah I sort of you know sometimes there were times where it was getting a bit out of hand but you know I think I learned to say no (laughs) (laughs) that was probably the biggest thing like one of the biggest lessons I learned was that it's okay to say no because there are other people out there that will be able to you know pick up the wheel where maybe you can't um, commit to it so yeah I think that was a big lesson but it's just following stuff that you're passionate about so when you're passionate about something it doesn't feel like it's super hard do you know what
1: I mean yeah so was this something that you always knew that you'd want to get yourself into doing charity work for organizations and for other people was this something that you always had in the back of your head even when you're in the Olympics and the Commonwealth Games did you always knew did you always know that I kind of want to do like help others with the experience the knowledge that I have
0: no definitely not it was um interesting I guess uh, my grandmother did a lot of charity work and you know my mum has done a fair bit too and I think once I started making Australian teams and and doing very well I think people um, charities would sort of ask and say hey can you come along and and you know speak or you know inspire maybe just dis- uh, kids with disabilities or you know it could be anything and and I guess it seeing the impact that I was able to make on those people or whether it was um, helping people smile or it was helping them just sort of escape maybe their challenges that they had for that time it really inspired me and then you know as I went through life I had different experiences myself and then I guess that's how my charity focus changed. Um, I got a melanoma and uh, so then I was on asked to be on the board of Melanoma Patients Australia and I was on that board for seven years then you know because I was an Olympian I got asked to be on the Queen's Olympic Council board so I was on that for four years and then I you know saw the impact that domestic violence is having on our communities and I just felt that I got involved with collecting items for Rise Up initially and I saw a real gap in that with you know, what happens to the women after we've done these homes? And I don't know if you know much about Rise Up, but they um, go in and they furnish homes, uh, ex-government housing commission homes, and they furnish them with donations. And so then um, families that are escaping domestic violence can go in and have their own home. And they get to keep all the articles that, um, that we've donated. So I just sort of thought, what happens to these women after... We've done the home, and the uh, lady who organised the charity, she said, "Oh, we don't have any contact." And I thought, "Wow, there's a real gap there." And, and I'm still big on setting goals for myself, and so it became a goal that I was going to run workshops for these women. And I met a lady called Carolyn Robinson, and through a friend of mine, and she, her daughter, had been in a, uh, a relationship that was um, a domestic violent relationship. And she said, uh, I want to run workshops with these women. And that was music to my ears. And I went, wow, you know, see what happens when you set a goal. And I've been doing these workshops for 12 months now. And its I think I get just as much out of these workshops as these women. It's so empowering. And I just love it. I mm. just love it.
1: Does it take a toll on you because you work with these charities and you hear people's stories and some of their stories, I can imagine, especially with people that experience domestic violence and then also people, um, as you said, you're part of a charity that deals with people that are melanoma patients. How does it take a toll on you because the stories that you'd hear is obviously, you know, empowering, but then there's also stories of hardship and devastation?
0: yeah absolutely so initially when I was with melanoma patients we were fundraising for to put on support meetings for people going through melanoma uh, treatment and at that point I was still very emotional and I didn't go to any of the the workshops because I, I knew that I would be upset and I didn't think that that was going to be supportive for those people so I just fundraised with that and I just worked out a way that we can you know do more and things like that. With the domestic violence uh, workshops I thought that I would also get very emotional because I have myself had two bad relationships in my life and um, and I don't normally talk about that but I felt that maybe I'd get emotional about that but Sometimes I do when I'm talking to the women, but most of the time, you know, I can, I can sit there and be really logical. And I think it's all the personal development that I've done on myself. And I continue to do a lot because I feel that, you know, the day that we stop learning something is a day wasted. And I just feel that if I can learn something through personal development that I can pass on to somebody else, then that's not only empowering me but it's empowering them and so I really draw on that strength and I had a situation yesterday where a friend of mine came over and she was quite distressed with a situation she was going through and I was just and I just surprised myself at times I go gee you remained calm you didn't get emotional you were very logical and so I think that we all sort of learn how to cope best with those situations and There's a great saying, when the emotions go up, the intelligence goes down. (laughs) (laughs) My goodness, that's true. (laughs) I know, right? And a mate of mine, if I'm, you know, doing any coaching work and and, um, I'm getting it through my mentor and, you know, I talk about my goals, if I get emotional with that, it obviously means that it means a lot to me, but also, you know, he reminds me of that saying and I go I know right so I just got to keep it together (laughs) but you know I always call myself an onion and I say there's always layers coming off that I learn about myself and you know and I think that's terrific because it means that I'm growing.
1: Absolutely and I can imagine because you're also dealing with charities that deals with so many different groups of people that you probably wouldn't have ever met before if you didn't do these charities and meet all these different groups of people.
0: That's right, you know, and I love meeting people. I love finding out what inspires them and, and you know, some of this work I've done with uh, the Beyond DV, that's the charity I'm associated with, you know, these women have known, gone on and studied and they're actually, you know, most of them, are, a lot of them doing counselling studies and they can give back to other people and, you know, when you see them thriving, it's just exciting, you know, and I think that's what we focus on is that we know that, they, they can give back a lot and you know and help their children to reestablish into new schools or and just see the kids' faces it's you know it's um yeah truly incredible
1: another thing that you are passionate about helping is helping athletes transition from sports to to um the real life what was your experience like when you did the olympics did the commonwealth games and then afterwards you retired what was that transition like because that is often not in the media often the media just shows the highlight reel of the athletes at the games commonwealth games and the olympics what is that like transitioning after that
0: yeah for me back in the day (laughs) all those years ago when I retired (laughs) before you were born (laughs) um, you know there wasn't a lot of media focus on on us as athletes you know they would report when we were competing and then pretty much left alone and I remember when I retired from Barcelona I had not competed well in Barcelona I had uh, found out that we I had septicemia uh, which is blood poisoning And I was very sick. So when I got home from Barcelona, I went on a holiday and then, you know, still was reeling from the effects. So I went and sought um, medical advice. And so then I just retired, right? So I was sad because I had not competed well when I'd gone in ranked number one in the world. I felt that I'd let down Australia and I'd let down my family because, you know, I didn't compete to the level that I That we all expected me to compete at. And so then all of a sudden, you wake up in your bedroom, and instead of waking up with your teammate and then walking out into the food hall, and and you've got, you know, 40 other athletes that are, uh, or swimmers that have gone through exactly the same thing as you've gone through all the training, all the hard work you wake up and you walk out, and it may just be mum, or it may just be my sister, or you know it's a very different and lonely experience because you've gone from being surrounded by people that understand what you've gone through to, to then be surrounded by people that are like we'll just get back to normal just you know what are you gonna do now and a lot of the times we don't know what we're gonna do now we've you know committed ourselves to training all those years a lot back in um, when I swam not a lot of people did uh, studies because You know, we had to train so hard and there wasn't that opportunity to be able to study part time. So it became quite depressing and very difficult to deal with. And I think that looking back on it, I was fortunate that I was able to throw myself into getting some work straight away. And uh, that was just coaching. And then once that coaching finished in six months, I guess I had come to terms with who I was and what what did I want to do with my life after swimming and I was sort of like well I'll just get a job and 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 see what happens so I when I used to go to events I used to collect business cards and I would write on the back of the business card where I met that person and then I would put it in my little uh, folder and when I had finished that uh, stint of coaching I started ringing each person and I said hi um it's Julie McDonald I've um finished my swimming career and I'm looking for a job. Is there anything that, you know, you have anything going? And, of course, a lot of the ones that I'd been meeting were people that were in professions. And so then, of course, it was like, have you done any kind of study? Have you got any qualifications? And I didn't. I only had high school qualification. And so I got to the letter M before anyone said, I'll give you a go.
1: Wow. <laughs>
0: So I had my self-esteem by that point was pretty low and I just, you know, just thought, well, you know, let's go. And so I, I went in and then I just, that's how I started my different careers. I had lots of different careers and, you know, I, there were jobs I loved, there were jobs I hated and I just, you know, was, it was an interesting thing. Then in 95, I made a comeback and I had a different experience for 10 months before the Olympic trials. I got myself pretty fit. I was, uh, almost hitting the times that I needed to hit and I got third at the trials which meant I missed out but I gained so much self-esteem through doing that and understanding that you know what it doesn't matter what I want to achieve if I commit myself and I work really hard I can achieve anything and that was a totally different mindset that I was able to walk away with and then I started getting offered jobs and I think that if we can really work on our mindset and what we believe that we show that kind of energy out in the world and then people respond differently. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it was a really different experience. And so then I was getting headhunted for different jobs and I was, things I didn't have experience for, (laughs) I was just thrown in the deep end. (laughs) And, you know, it was just sort of what, you know, the cliche of, you know, sink or swim, but it was, I just did it. I just sort of thought, well, if I can, you know, give myself ten months to train for the Olympics and almost get there, then I can do this job, you know. And so it it became, you know, a bit of a game,
1: you know, to see just what I, what kind of career I could do. And that would be such a shift in different ways of working hard because you go from, you know, training, waking up the early hours in the morning, and just pushing your body to the limit and then I can imagine then when you go to this other career you're then pushing more so your mind, like I can yeah. imagine that that would be such a change in just really working your ass off really
0: Yeah, absolutely because you know like you, you think of some of the jobs that I had was um, event management and, and so you sort of think well you've got to think totally different to the swimming, you've got to think about what does the client want, what is, you know it's not about myself, it's about You know, because you can be so focused when you're swimming, that everything that you do has got to be about your outcome. How are you going to become the best that you can be? And whereas when you're doing, say, for events, for example, then it's about how can I make this event the best that I can for this client. So yeah, it's a totally different mindset.
1: Do you reckon that committees with the Commonwealth Games and the Olympics and just any athletic competitions and games, do you think that they, in 2019 now, do you think they are preparing young athletes after the Olympics and their Commonwealth Games and training?
0: There's certainly a lot of sports that are doing it very well. I think that they're you know preparing athletes a lot better for what they need to do. There's always going to be people that slip through the cracks because they're not you know, being honest and truthful to um, how they're feeling. And so I think that's where, you know, we need to look and make sure that, you know, I think particularly male athletes uh, really struggle. And we need to make sure that they're, they've they got mentors that can they can relate to and that they can talk to about how they're feeling and what they've got coming up Um, Whereas there's some great sports out there that are doing, you know, the pathways for, okay, what are you guys going to do? If you're going to be in our team, you have to be doing some kind of study. So then they're preparing them for a career afterwards. And, you know, I think that, you know, it's come a long, long way. And there's always going to be, like everything, it's always going to need improvement um, because it's always going to find you know nothing's ever perfect so they're always going to find things that they can improve on but yeah a long long way ahead of where we were when we stopped.
1: Mm -hmm. And what would be your best advice to women and men and girls and boys out there that are athletes that are whether it's training the Olympics Commonwealth Games or training for the local competition for their chosen sport what would be your best advice for people in that field?
0: I think it doesn't matter what you do in life. I think the, the best advice I can give anyone is to follow your, your passion. Uh, because when you can follow your passion, things become a lot easier. If we can set goals and work hard to commit them, then you can achieve anything in life. And it doesn't matter whether, you know, you might be people that get to middle age. Uh, a lot of people that I'm working with, you know, they get to middle age and they, they've lost Um, connection with what they wanted to be in life and they suddenly think, what am I doing with my life? Well, it's never too late. That's probably the biggest message. Never too late to start a new career or to uh, go on the path that you've always really wanted to. There's a lot more opportunities out there. I've you know, changed careers quite a few times because I never found what I was really passionate about. And it hasn't been until the last few years that I've discovered it. And I think that we just have to back ourselves. We have to be able to back ourselves to say, I can do it. And there's a lot of negativity out in the world. And I think if people can switch off from that, stop reading newspapers, stop listening to the news, because it's all negative. It's all about, you know, creating drama in people's life and things that they can't even change. So my biggest advice to people is start working on yourself, start investing in yourself through personal development and you will be
1: surprised
0: at just what you can achieve.
1: Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast episode for my interview with the amazing, incredible athlete, Julie McDonald. Make sure you hit subscribe or like wherever you listen to this podcast.